Hello and welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum Talking Stories podcast. My name is Deirdre and we are here with the absolutely terrific, tremendous and downright wonderful Tara. Hello. How are you this week? I am good this week. You were doing well with the alliteration there and then you lost it at the end. Yeah. yeah. I should have done something with O as well with your new orange hair. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. If Peachy. You've, if you've gotten a chance to uh, be at the box office at any point in the last few months, you've gotten to meet our lovely Tara, who has got a split dye of black and ginger. And uh, I must say, you're rocking it. I know. It's quite a statement. Yes, yes. yes. It, it is very ginger now. It was much more bright orange. I was like a beacon. <laughs> and now it's it's definitely calmed itself. Yeah. I think yeah. it's perfect though for like the spooky season we're in. Definitely the Halloween colors. Yeah, I can't yeah. go wrong. I know. I'm 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 scared to say or scared to ask even how many times Marcus compared you to a pumpkin. Oh, too Plus, many. Too many. Too many pumpkin spice lattes. Yes. It would help if we didn't drink so many of them as well. <laughs> those things you know it's going to make you smile when it gets so cold and so dreary yeah. it's it's going to be something that you'll keep you of course smiling and halloween's my season you've got to embrace the season oh yeah you have to yeah. embrace the darkness of it all yeah yeah it'll be very fun mm. um and speaking of very like halloweeny and spooky things um one of my favorite stories to listen to for this time of year is tygo kane and the corpse and um, especially when it's told by Nisha in the museum. Yes. Because this story actually helped him get a job in the museum. Of course it did. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard the story behind it? I haven't, no. Okay, so every Samhain, mm-hmm. we would do a very special show to honour the amount of the rich collection of folklore we have, the wealth of stories and traditions. And the museum itself, we all affectionately think, is haunted because Mm -hmm. it wasn't always a museum. It had a few lives before we got to be the National Leprechaun Museum. And originally, it was the morgue for the Jervis Street Hospital. Now, so we like to think there's going-ons down there. Is it little feet scuttering around? Is it spirits of the other world? Or is it just last year's Halloween outfits being haunted? Yeah. 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 Um, you know yourself, you've been down in the basement. Would you want to spend an awful lot of time down there? Definitely not. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what secrets will be shared. Um, but when we, for one year in Samhain, which I think was five years ago, um, Nisha was turned into Tygo Kane, and he would tell the story of Tygo Kane and the corpse. Oh. And it was a very special um, week because he did the story so well. He's been a storyteller ever since then for us in the museum. He's just never left. No, never. <laughs> Anytime we ask a question of where could Nisha be, it's usually, ah, he's in the basement. Yeah. It's always, yeah. he's in the basement. Yeah. So the next time you see someone with that long, dark, curly hair, it's probably Nisha running around the basement cleaning up or something. That's so fun. Have you ever heard him tell the story of Tygo Kane? I haven't yet, no. I'm very excited. Yes, he's famous for it at this point. Yeah, exactly. So, shall we give it a go? Yes, let's. There was a lad living in Leitrim by the name of Tyg O'Kane. Now, Tyg O'Kane lived with his father, and as there's no mother mentioned, 
we can only assume that she died when Tig was very young, leaving him without a positive maternal figure in his life, meaning he was a bit of a wild child, I suppose. He would spend most of his nights out drinking, getting absolutely sloshed. You see, his father was rather wealthy, so money was really not much of an object to Tig, and he loved wasting that money. He'd go to the local she-beans, drink and drink and drink, until he decided it was time to head home, at which point he'd find an amorous young girl of the village and uh, roll around in the hay. Tig was quite the hit with the ladies. He was a handsome man, and he had a way with words, or at least he had a way with his tongue. The local girls always fell for Tig's charms, and he was more than happy to oblige them. Now, obviously, this behaviour was causing a minor scandal in rural Catholic Ireland, and his poor father was driven insane by it. He was constantly making up excuses for his son, excusing his behaviour. Honestly, he hoped that Tig would grow out of this phase, settle down, and eventually marry a nice young woman and start his own family. Tig decided to skip a few of those steps, and one day news reached Tig's father that he had ruined the character of a local girl. It's a very nice way of saying got her pregnant, by the way. The girl in question was Mary Burke, and her family were furious. They demanded that Tig do the right thing and marry her. Tig had laughed in their faces when they'd asked him this and headed home to his father, who was not best pleased. He repeated their demands. Tig, he said, if you are to be any son of mine, you'll do the right thing and you'll marry that girl. Tig said no. He wasn't going to marry her. He had his own life to live. He wasn't going to be saddled down with a baby. And his father just lost it. Right, no son of mine will act like that. Get out. Leave this house and never return until you can prove to me that you're a proper man. Tig left. He was furious at his father. Who did the man think he was telling Tig how to live his life? Besides, it wasn't really his fault. I mean, what had he done? She'd agreed to sleep with him. She knew the consequences. All of this was running around his head when Tig suddenly noticed he'd gone quite far from his house. He still knew the way back, but he hadn't been this far out in a long time. He then noticed how cold the night air was. Everything was soft and still and desperately quiet. And then he heard it. The sound of plodding footsteps coming down the road, getting louder and louder. Tig's heart began to beat like a drum. And then in the distance, coming down the road, he spotted a group of people. They all seemed very short. The skin was pale like snowflakes. And as they drew closer, he realised they were carrying something on their backs. He couldn't see what it was, but as they drew closer, he realised these were fairies. His blood began to run cold as an icy chill went down his spine from the nape of his neck all the way to the tailbone. He shivered and felt that he should run, but found his feet glued to the ground until they were right up next to him. 
That's when he saw what they were carrying. On their backs there was a man, his skin pallid and grey, eyes closed, hair clinging greasily to his unmoving scalp. Tyke hoped the man was dead, and he certainly looked to be. He made no sign of life as he was dropped from their backs unceremoniously onto the ground before Tyke, and then one of their number stepped forward. Pick that up, Tyke, and carry it for us. We have taken it a long way, and we hear that you might be willing to assist us. You've been living a bad life, Tyke. It's about time you turned things around, and we want to give you that opportunity. Tyke screamed, and he tried to run, but he found himself grabbed by two of the fairies. They shoved him down onto the ground, and he felt them dragging something onto his back. As he rose up, he could smell something horrible filling his nostrils, and something was dragging him back down to the ground. As he looked over one shoulder, he saw the dead man's face staring back at him. Tyke screamed and tried to throw it off, but as he tried to move it, its arms wrapped about his neck, its hands grasping onto his shoulders, digging it, their dead nails into his flesh. He then felt the legs close about his hips in a vice-like grip. The more he tried to shake it off, the tighter the corpse became. Please, he said, let me go. I promise I'll, I'll, I'll never do it again. I'll, I'll live a good life. I'm on, honestly. Tyke didn't even know what he was apologising for or what he was babbling about. He just knew he had to get the corpse off his back. And the fairies just laughed at him. No, 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 Tyke. You'll be burying that corpse for us. Be sure it's buried in holy ground. I hear there's a graveyard, not two miles away. You might try your luck there. If that fails, you should make your way on to Kilbride. Either way, though, be sure you have that corpse buried before the first cockerels crow. For if you do, well, you might find yourself living a better life than before. And if you don't, well, Tyke, you'll never get that corpse off your back. And as he spoke those words, they seemed to melt away, blowing like smoke on the wind. Tyke, and he began the long journey to the graveyard. The weight of the thing was dragging him down, but still he persisted, plodding step after plodding step as the weight of the dead man dragged him down. Imagine it. A fully grown, dead body on your back. The smell of decaying flesh filling your nostrils. The touch of the dead skin next to your own. Each step was agony, till eventually, Tyg made it to the graveyard. Outside the gate, he found an old shovel, and picking it up, he made his way in, passing by scores of gravestones, hoping to find a little patch of earth that he could dig. Eventually, he found a spot that seemed abandoned. He dug down and down into the ground. But eventually, he uncovered an ancient skull. Knowing the grave was full, he replaced the earth and moved on. He dug down and down again until he found the body of an old woman. She looked peaceful, her eyes closed, 
her lips almost smiling. He removed the earth from her coffin, lifted her, and was about to lift her out, when the old woman's eyes snapped open. Leave me be! she screamed. And Tyg smacked her on the head with the shovel, covered her again with the clay, and moved on to a third spot. He was digging now for quite a while, and his heart was racing, hoping he'd finally found a resting place for the corpse. And there he saw it, shooting out of the ground, a skeletal hand, giving him the finger. Deciding he would find no resting place for the corpse here, he moved on to Kilbride, furious that he'd already wasted so much time. He knew the dawn wasn't far off now. He half ran, half stumbled on the road, sometimes falling flat on his face, but picking himself up soon after, the corpse never easing its grip an inch. Till finally, sweating, half crying, Tug made it to the graveyard at Kilbride. Looking out into the horizon, he could see a fringe of light approaching from the east. Knowing the dawn was soon to come, he kept frantically searching through the graveyard, hoping to find a bare spot. And there, he saw it. An open grave. He cautiously approached the open grave and stared down into the earth. There was a coffin waiting at the bottom. His heart began to pound and pound as he made his way carefully down into the clay. He stretched out his shaking hands and opened the lid of the coffin. It was empty. Suddenly he felt movement. Uh, something sprang from his back and landed neatly in the coffin. Reaching up, he found the corpse had gone and staring down he saw it. Lying in the coffin, arms crossed. Without a second thought, he slammed the lid closed, leapt from that grave and piled earth on top until finally the corpse was covered. As he drew in some shaking breaths, he looked up and saw the sun was rising. And just then, he heard the cockerels crow. Eventually, he pulled himself back up onto his tired feet and half crawled, half walked home. He told no one but his father of what had happened that night. But it changed him. He swore again he'd never touch a drop of drink. He never went out late at night. And he even agreed to marry the girl Mary. He met an honest woman of her, bought his own house and started his own family, as his father had wished. And he never again left his house after dark. That was amazing. It was so good. Even though he's not in the room, you can see Nisha perform that. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. Like his movements yeah. and the, this, he does this really weird thing with his back when he gets into telling a story as well. <laughs> I can see him do that with like the corpse carrying on the back. Yeah, was yeah. Cool. Was there a bit that stayed with you in the story? Um, when he sees the corpse for the first time, I think for me, when he realizes what it is, yeah. I think is very good. Yeah, like I, I love that description of it because mm. it's not too over the top, but it's still like mm. you can actually feel like it's yeah stays with you. Yeah. yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. yeah. Oh goodness, it was a good job. Yeah. yeah. 
and you can kind of feel like you're in that sort of cold setting walking through a graveyard looking for the the plot for the corpse itself yes yeah more spookier than graveyard nighttime yeah and you're trying to run away from your responsibilities in some kind of form. Yeah, fairly classic storylines there, yeah. yeah. Or it's a good Saturday night for uh, an underage <laughs> as well. Yeah. You know, come from my end of Dublin. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's such a classic Douglas Hyde story because it focuses so heavily on meeting the fairies first and mm. then imagine what you could meet after meeting the good people mm, it's all consequences it's all consequences definitely yeah. consequences definitely mm. but it, it, it really sets it up beautifully mm. yeah that way because that's scarier stories that you don't realize are scary until it's right in front of you and that you know you know tiger's probably not doing the right thing in this situation but when they come towards him you don't realize until he realizes what's actually being presented and when you realise it's the corpse all of a sudden it's just dark and it's grim and you can feel it like you said about the temperature mm-hmm. it drops for you when you realise that yeah. and I think that's great and that's all just good storytelling as well oh yeah, yeah. because it's what I love about Nisha's way of telling stories he doesn't go over the top with the descriptions mm. it's just enough mm. it's just enough to feel like you're in the story with him yeah it's all it's in the presentation yeah. But here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. If you met Tygo Kane in some pub in Leitrim, uh-huh. what would be your first reaction? Dunno. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's described as being fairly charming, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Depends. Though if I'd heard the rumours, you know, probably kick his ass a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Which I could see you take a fella from Leitrim. A fella from Leitrim yeah. who needs to be like, who needs to... I say cop on a bit but uh, yeah. try it on with the Dublin girl and see where it gets you exactly because <laughs> yeah. let's be honest like when you go out even in Dublin there's an awful lot of annoying annoying people oh yeah who try yeah. to start a conversation with you and you just feel like do you know what go, just go to a graveyard carry a corpse on your back <laughs> and leave me alone yeah there are so, other things for you to be doing right now exactly <laughs> yeah. are you not meant to be like being take accountability for your actions mm. yeah and that's it he's quite a relatable character maybe not relatable in that we would relate to him but it's a relatable situation oh, that is it. presented you yeah. know the guy in the town all the girls swooning yeah exactly you know? his name may not necessarily be Tig, but we can all imagine someone oh, yeah. who's a real player we all know them yeah yeah, yeah. A, real, a real charmer but you have to put the emphasis on yeah on it as well but and so you had never heard Nisha tell this story before? No, I had not. And can you see where the real sort of Halloween and sound elements come to life? Oh, definitely. The imagery that's painted with it is definitely you know, those classic elements. Like you said, the graveyard, you imagine the fog, you imagine the moon. It's it's painted perfectly. Yeah. yeah. yeah but it really does highlight so many things of if you were in that situation, if you're walking home late from say the pub or walking back to your house from visiting a friend mm. and you just see Tygo Kane in the distance carrying this green thing on his back. Yeah. You yeah. really just myself probably I wanna have a look and then I wanna walk the other way. Oh yeah, you'd yeah. be nosy enough that you'd want to know be what is this guy doing? Mm, <laughs> you know, this doesn't look normal. <laughs> like, this is a bit out of the ordinary. Yeah. Curiosity but at a safe distance. <laughs> 
Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's enough for entertainment saying, do you not imagine this ever happening? Yeah. Or to be able to say, I seen this mad thing last night. Do you know? Exactly. You'd never believe it. Yeah. And then I ran away. <laughs> That's what I love as well. There's another creature I love is the puka. Yes. And the puka is a shape-shifting animal that could take control over donkeys or horse or whatever creature you can imagine. But it's one of those wild tales that gets you onto this absolute insane adventure and you try to explain that you were carried away off to places like Hopatrick or carried away off to some distant place and the next morning you're trying to explain to your friend no I met an animal that was talking to me last night with like red blackish eyes and it was talking perfect English to me but then when you're trying to explain that to your friend all they can smell is last night's drink and they don't believe you whatsoever yep we've all been in that situation too yeah, we've <laughs> We've all been to a work party, so we all understand. Because <laughs> when you go out drinking with folklore storytellers, the tales that come out after some influence of the spirits is yep. definitely a yep. conversation. So there was clearly like elements of truth within the tale. Mm. But so the last line of the story, so he never left his house to go out in the dark. Mm. Do you think that's kind of his happy ever after? Or... Well, I wouldn't necessarily say happy ever after. <laughs> um, you know, there's an element where he's sort of just been frightened into this life now. Um, but the idea of not going out at night, I think what helps this story is that it's something that we're all told from the get-go. Don't go out on your own at night. Because, you know, who knows what'll happen. So it's something that's ingrained in us anyway in modern day. There is a relatability to it that makes it all the more sort of easy to believe. Do you know? Yeah. Because it's like that could happen. Yeah. Um, the town I grew up in, in Lakshini, there is a massive long road, very little street lights that I would walk from the bus stop down to the house. And it's about a kilometre long. Um, and always I'd stop listening to my headphones, even though there'd be no cars, no nothing. But it's dark and it's spooky and you just you go through those scenarios in your head where it's like there is someone chasing me there is 100% someone chasing me yeah. and you turn around and you're like they jumped in the bush as I turned around I know they did mm-hmm. you know you think of those things and they become sort of real to you you feel that fear while you're doing it so like having a story like this yeah you could think that oh, you could definitely think that that's going to happen to you they are going to come up upon you and you're you'll be screwed because yeah. you'll have a corpse yeah, then, exactly. to take home. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more because the amount of times you'd be, say, walking home after leaving the museum or you're walking home after meeting up with friends, mm-hmm. you stick on your headphones. Myself, I'd be listening to like a true crime podcast. Yeah. And you'll get that feeling of, oh, is the killer I'm listening to in the story yeah. about to follow me home? Yeah. It's that Jack the Ripper kind of scenario of, is there someone watching me? Is yeah. there something behind you? Um, so, yeah, it's like, it's definitely ingrained in since we were wee kids. Mm. Maybe not having a fear of the otherworldly creatures, although a lot of people did have that. Yeah. But it's always that fear of maybe somebody's watching it. Yeah. It's going to happen, maybe not last night, but it's going to happen tonight because it didn't happen last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you hear those stories on the news and they didn't think it would be them, so they couldn't be me, you know? Exactly. You never know. It's worse, yeah. 
I always find, especially when I'm talking to friends of mine who are girls, mm. that you always have that feeling of, should I have the need to carry something in my pocket? Should oh, yeah. I have the need to yeah. carry a little bit of holy water in case I'm going through a graveyard and yeah. things are going to jump on me? Yeah. Or, or the, like, the keys between your fingers as you walk? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost scary that you have to weaponize yourself just to, just to counteract. Yeah, yeah. Surprise. Keep yourself safe. So you don't really think it was a happy ever after then for Artelic? No, or well... For, or for Mary, Well, we don't really know Mary's feelings or opinions. Or do we even know that she knew he tried to do a runner? Because he was back fairly quickly. You know, it was just a night. That's a really good point. Yeah, she may be completely oblivious to this whole thing. And be delighted to marry the charming man from the town. Um, but for him specifically, no. I don't want to say he's, he's trapped in a marriage. <laughs> but there is an element of it's like the one fate versus another fate. And he's seen what happens when he tries to leave and he's too frightened. Yeah. You know? Because he's kind of been scared back. Yeah, it's like, it's... no, there's too much wild stuff out there. I'm going to go home. I'm going to stay and lock the door at 7pm yep. and we won't be back and open it up back again until it's like 7am. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially not leaving your house at night in Ireland. I mean, when it comes to winter, you're spending an awful lot of time in your house because it's dark late in the day and then it starts getting dark earlier. Yeah, exactly. You know? And especially, it's it's not just a case of the good people or the corpses or the pukas that be following you. There's so many other traditions that sound mm. when it comes to the banshee. Yeah. It comes to, you hear the horse's hooves and you hear the doulahan. Yes. And yeah. you hear whispers, anything that's going to be the whispers of the doulahan calling your name to say your time has come. Yeah. As well as trying to avoid the really nosy neighbours wondering why you're out past one o'clock in the evening. There is same. also that, yeah. yeah. There's yeah, there's a number of things to keep you locked in your house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, we just happen to have a pandemic and that's what's keeping us there. <laughs> it's just sometimes you want to have a nice evening in your cozies and you're playing Animal Crossing on your Nintendo Switch. Yeah, yeah. Nice glass of wine and, exactly. you know, ice cream. <laughs> yes, sometimes those stay at nights have to be done. Yeah, no corpses. It's great. Exactly. You're like, oh, I'm just terrified somebody's just going to jump on my back and yeah. it's going to bring me to the other world. Sometimes the corpse would just be inconvenient. There you go. Yeah. That's it. Yep. God, you won. But it's so. Is this what is your tradition now for Halloween or for sound? Have you got any? I'm gonna sit in and watch a classic movie. I'm gonna go in and eat all my brothers and sisters' sweets. We trick or treating. There's definitely that. My siblings are all still very small, so trick or treating is very much. So you get the you get the good stuff. Oh yes, yes. But I've gone from my classic costumes to coordinating with my small brother. That's Ooh. that's my tradition. Whatever he says, I have to be. I have been the Luigi to his Mario many a time. That's my tradition. Oh, that is a really yeah. good one. Yeah. yeah. And I watch The Craft. Oh, which is... Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong with that movie. Yeah. You can't go wrong. I, I, I feel like it's, um, it's a very fun film for the museum as well because we're all our own interests and we all mm-hmm. have our own sort of hobbies so it really feels like we're a bit of a motley crew here as storytellers. Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah. I'm trying not to say we are the weirdos, but we, we are had to have fun. Yeah, yeah. Kind of we're as close as you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. I, that, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you share costumes with your little brother. Um, because has what's been his... 
What's been his favourite um, costume he's had so far? Well, last year he was Fionkenstein. Fionkenstein. My brother's name is Fionn, by the way. Um, Very on brand for the museum and Fionn McCool stories. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Fionkenstein. Um, this year he's Fionkilla. Yes. I'm, I'm Nostaratu. <laughs> he named that. These oh. are his plans. He's following me working in marketing. He knows how to brand. <laughs> He's ready. Oh, you know? God. You have to get Minas to tell us a story soon enough. Uh, he'll take all your jobs. Oh, God. Yeah. I have no doubt about that. Like, yeah. From the stories you've told me <laughs> and the fact his name is Fionn and he is the leader. I can't wait to tell. I can't wait to hear his stories. Yeah. But because it is spooky season month mm-hmm. and it's something we take very seriously here at the museum, um, what have we got actually coming up for Samhain? We have a big event coming up for Samhain, as we do most years. We haven't in the last few because of the lovely pandemic. Um, so we have Waking the Dead coming up and we are running Darkland still every Friday and Thursday. Said that backwards, don't know why. Um, seven till half eight. Being very popular. Yeah, it's it's sold out every weekend. Yep, Most every weekend every since weekend. we brought it back, we've pretty much sold it out. Yeah. And tickets are going super quick for the upcoming weeks. Every time we put more tickets up, they go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very fun hour of the darker side of Irish mythology. Mm. And it's the stories that we have to sort of contain ourselves with during yeah. the day. Yes. So when that darkness, that veil of darkness and light finally falls onto the museum, we can mm. finally let out the, uh, not just the sound stories, but some very, very yeah. peculiar tales of bog bodies and stories of, uh, what happens to abducted children and all sorts, all of them. Yeah, and it goes to show how ingrained that darkness is in our stories and our mythology, in that Darkland is year-round for us. Yeah. There's no inappropriate time for us to run Darkland because yes. it's always relevant. It's just sound gives us the opportunity to go the extra mile. <laughs> I actually call sound like our folklore Christmas. Oh, yes. There's just so much you can delve into, mm. so many traditions of... One of my favourite pastimes was um, you get four plates in front of you on a table and in those four plates you would put a little bit of soil or a bit of dirt in one plate. You would leave one plate empty. You would put a coin on one plate and then water on the fourth plate. You would blindfold your friends and you'd spin them around three, four or five times and you'd ask them to put the finger out on a certain plate. Mm. And if they place their finger in a plate of dirt, they'd have a dirty husband. If Ooh. they place their finger on a plate with nothing, they'll have no husband. <laughs> if they place it where the coin is, it will be a wealthy husband. And if you place your finger where the water is, you'll have a clean husband. Oh. So a nice little bit of fortune telling and a tiny bit of divination as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very exciting. (laughs) Please do watch out. Um, And it's also a very good excuse if you don't want to be washing the dishes as well. Yeah. Fear what what husband you could be bringing home. Yeah. Are you bringing home a young Tygo Kane or a Tygo Kane who's too scared to leave his house in the middle of a dark night? Yeah. Yeah. But we want to say thank you so much for spending time with us. Wherever you are, we hope it's a safe one and you're not walking home late at night. And remember, stay safe this Samhain. Otherwise, there'll be many creatures that will be following you. Mm-hmm. So, Tara, yeah. one of my favourite creatures of Halloween and Samhain. Thank you so much for spending some time. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for spending time with us. 
Till next time, and happy sailing!